The year is 1974. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Variant cover. My Marvelous Year. I'm Dave Busen, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com, and joining me today, he's the only person who asks me to come up with ideas for Tiny Vampire in the middle of the workday. It's Zach Dean. How's it going, Zach? Hey, I have bad news. As, as you'll hear in 1975, I kind of went crazy with these comics, and I kind of I went a little buck wild. I partied a little too hard with these comics, mm-hmm. and now I'm coming down. So I got kind of a cold, and I'm attributing it to comics withdrawal. So you're getting you got a 1974 hangover? Yeah, 1975. 75 was the one that really, man, I got uh, I got real jacked up on 75 comics. And now I'm so feeling So something it. to look forward to is getting jacked up like Zach and then having a big old hangover. <sighs> but of course, you're not there yet if you're in the club. The highs this are is so the... high, but the lows are so low. <laughs> that is the My Marvelous Year way. <laughs> uh, we are reading true. through the Marvel Universe one year at a time from its origins to present day. We just finished up. 1974 two-part episode if this is your first episode i recommend you go on back and check it out we also have reading lists for all the comics that everybody's reading along with us in the show notes if you don't know how to get those reading lists or are confused at any point in time just uh, write to us at my marvelous year gmail.com and we will point you in the right direction because they are all over the place and are not a secret so today We're going to talk about your listener questions for the 1974 comics that we read. We're also going to be updating a few entries in the My Marvelous Year shared universe, one of which I have already revealed. Um, And then I think we will also just talk about, you know, what's uh, what's on our minds, what we're thinking about today. You never uh, for me, it's very little. I just drove cross country with uh, two children under the ages of three. So I'm going to be honest; it's a miracle that I'm communicating uh, coherently at all. Assuming that I am, it's I mean, possible. Isn't one of them like three months? Not even like a month uh, old. That's, right? Three months is generous. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. much much younger. Yeah, little. So Va- is Von Doom is about two and a half, and um, big uh, Barda, Damon Hellstrom, Barda. <laughs> that doesn't work at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like your version better. Uh, Big Barda is is almost a month. So here's what I'll say. It went okay. Um, I don't know that I'd recommend it as the primary version of travel. How far from Chicago did you go? Far enough to not want to do it again anytime soon. Uh, it was about 16, 17 hours in the car, yeah. I want to say. Yeah, gross. Um, so, you know, I'm, uh, I'm basically like... The best ad, I think, is what we're okay. coming out to here. Yeah. Speaking of Big Barda, I started reading Mr. Yeah. Miracle again. Mm-hmm. Is there again? a sexier superhero than Big Barda in that comic? Uh, specifically in that comic? No, no. I mean, just like the Big Barda from that comic. It's the only Big Barda I know. I haven't read her in anything else. Hang on. Are you talking about the Tom King, Mitch Gerard's yes. 2017 Mr. Miracle? Yes, yes. One of the 15 best comics of all time? Yeah, Mr. Miracle. Yep, I'd never finished it the first time I started, so I'm I'm going back in to to read it through. It is well worth finishing, that is for sure. Uh, You know, Big Barda. I like Big Barda a lot. Oh man, it's uh, there's never like a a big time like sensual connection. uh, That's a sexy comic, though. You don't think so? 
Mr. Miracle is? A no. little bit. There's some scenes in that maybe that are like some of the most a very like, little bit. A little bit. There's I don't know. That that comic oh, I, like, I can, I deals can think with of like some things. adult sexuality in some of the I mean, probably the best I've seen in a superhero comic ever. It's very uh, much like married couple sexuality. Yeah, um yeah, yeah. also it seems like you're about to die sexuality. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a good. Uh, no, I, it's coming I, back to me now. That I don't know you're if you right. know that, but uh, it's a good comic book. Yeah. Mr. Miracle is excellent. Big Barda is. Yeah. I mean, she's she's great. Like in every way. I'm, I'm a little like, surprised to hear you say this. Uh, I thought you were going to say the sexiest character in comics. And I, I'm sitting over here like, what about Moondragon, Zach? You've already professed oh, Moon, to I us mean, your I, feelings. I'm into Moondragon, but Moondragon's not like, I don't know. We'll get into it. But uh, let's see. Sexiest. I think probably the comic book character I think is sexiest is uh can't even remember her name Zatanna. Zatanna. Yeah. Is, Zatanna is does a it. Popular I, pick. I, I think. Don't, I know. don't know why that top hat. Mm. I mean her her costume is Halloween sexy magician. It's pretty right? good. It's weird because I'm not like a fishnets guy, but something about that costume. I am constantly covered in fishnets. I am a big fishnets guy. It's it's because I think <laughs> I, my family were fishermen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've just got them all over me all the time. But the big dangling ropes and things, you know, like not not what you're picturing in costumes. I don't you know what? Okay. For can, that. Can we t- they smell too. You know, you ever had old fish on you? This is, I guess we're talking about this now because like I'm going to get fussy later on when moving into the 80s and especially the 90s when female superhero comics are just like dripping with sex right like it's just gonna get like we can't get away from that in our mm-hmm. comics soon and i'm gonna like be annoyed by that thoroughly so like i don't know i'm kind of i don't think i've ever really investigated like what the difference between a character i'm like oh, that's a pretty sexy character versus the ones that make me roll my eyes and feel like i mean i guess it's when i feel like i'm being pandered to like you're 13 you like boobs <laughs> And that's I mean honestly the there's extent of it. Yeah. I I think the the back and forth you're having there is something I definitely uh understand as well cuz I, I, there's also a part of me that like as you're talking about it that I'm like there's nothing more out of touch than two guys on a podcast talking about the hottest female superheroine. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's a very well, Kevin sure. Smith comic book men thing that is that is not an aspect of of comics that I'm super into, but then there's then there's the immediate flip side that is like, well, just like you can just talk about things. Like it's okay for yeah, sure. Well, I mean, and also and like I don't think fine. you and I are just like I don't know, ogling and all that. Yeah, and I mean, like I'm not actually getting like turned on by this kind of stuff, right? This is not some kind of like actual. I don't know. I mean, if if you're into that, cool. Like genuinely, no shame over that. You know, if like you're into comic book cartoon like sexuality stuff uh but no i do mean you do you yeah, I, sure. I totally but, I mean, agree this, but i also think that... like it's annoying to me to hear from fans i just had somebody comment on something comic book herald related and it was basically like you know miss marvel's been ruined ever since they got rid of the thigh high boots and the you know right the, the thongs. Yeah, which is... and i'm like if that's your main takeaway from the character you know what i mean like you're looking sure, for love in all right. the wrong places I yes think. yes yes well i mean it's also just like i mean i'm sorry but just go look at porn, <laughs> you know, right? Like, if that's, <laughs> It's right there. If, if that's the thing where you're just like, I need my comics to turn me on and to titillate me. It's just like, well, that's not really the purpose. But I mean, I'm talking, I guess. It's I'm not saying thing. eradicate it. I, I think we're going to both be struggling with it because I'm not saying it shouldn't exist. I think, you know, the, the biggest problem to me is like there hasn't been a balance, right? Like, no. like very recently, we're talking probably yesterday as we're recording this, Nightwing's butt has been trending on Twitter. <laughs> for like, very good. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> For like 48 hours. Oh, it's so So funny. like, yeah, find a balance, have it be healthy and fun, 
that's great. Um, but it shouldn't be the main focus of I, there's and there's a lot of stuff too. Like it's 2019, and I'm seeing all these like Marvel covers or variant covers coming out. We got X23, an underage, uh, not underage anymore, but started out an underage like forced into prostitution character from the 2000s, and they've got the big butt shot of yeah, her on right, a cover. Right. It's like yeah. that stuff. There's there's a tasteful way to do it. There's a, a healthier way to do it, and it can get twisted into a sort of, hey, like this will sell, which is now you're combining yes. crass uh, cash grabbing with like There's, not treating it, genders fairly, essentially. Yeah, or, I don't just, know. It's very rambling, but. pandering and objectifying and yes, all these that's things. Like, I mean, you know, it's also like the Game of Thrones show is never once sexy to me because it's just like trying to be softcore porn, and that's just like... I don't know. I mean, that that's not, like, attractive, I guess, to me. Like, I, it feels frustrating. I mean, I guess just that feeling of being pandered to feels frustrating. Because it's like, if I want this, I know where to go get it. I don't need it, like, woven into this drama. Right? So I guess when I'm talking, like, comic book characters I find sexy, it is more than just, like, the visuals of how they're drawn. Right? It's very rarely just that. Like, it is something more, you know, their character, the story that they're in the like because i mean big barda in her relationship with scott free is what i think is sexy yeah i think i think that's the that is a a very good example because the relationship there is so established that you can like it is that whole comic one of the things i find most impressive about it is it's very much like here is a an adult married relationship as two people who have known each other for a long time and are in love have a child specifically and it's like there's a sexuality to it that feels very real. Yeah, it feels sure. very lived in and built up and established as opposed to just like, here's a shot of like a sexually drawn character mm-hmm. or something. Right. Um, that's not, I, I hear what you're saying when you say like, there's a, there's a whole tone that is, that comes across in their relationship that establishes that. And it's effective. And I think that's an example where it's like, yeah, this is really well done. Um, but I don't know. It helps too. just like, if that wasn't a good comic, like, if that wasn't one of the 15 best comics of all time, which it is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe it doesn't play as well. So there's sure. there's something to yeah, that. Yeah, I guess we'll, we'll investigate that as we go on and we see more and more of this uh, as Marvel starts crossing, you know, dipping their toes into that water, which they already Yeah, have we haven't announced to. it yet, but starting in 1977, we'll be doing an hour-long segment called Zack and Dave's Fantasies. Hot or not. <laughs> Hot or not, yes. And we'll yeah. do every character in the Marvel Universe. And boy, oh boy, are you guys going to love it. No, we're not doing anything like that. I mean, uh, just we're here for the, the, the poll comics. you came up with for 1975 is already starting on that road. What was it? I mean, I don't want to tell people now. but Oh, we don't share it yet? Um, we're already feeding into that. Oh, uh, well, I mean, yeah, but like, yeah, well, yeah. Okay. okay. You're right. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. all we are now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, speaking of polls, uh, last year's poll was, being totally honest with yourself, if you had superpowers, would you be a hero or a villain? This was, like, my favorite How one so far. How does the club split in terms yeah. of morality and, and do gooderness? Have you looked at this? I have not at all. I, I kind of want you to guess, like, what the split was. We've got 36 votes, so what do you, what do you think the proportions are going to be? I'm going to go 24 villain, 12 hero. Oh, very close. 27 hero, 9 villain. Oh, so one well, in, close, one in f- but I was totally wrong. <laughs> one in four. Wait, oh, did you say the other way I around? said it the opposite way. Oh, okay. Yes, all right. Well, then, yeah, yeah. So one in four says they'll be a villain. And I like some of the answers here. I'm going to read a few. Um, Nate says, if I have to pick hero, but I'd be 
more of a keep my head down and help help in little ways while also doing small questionable things to help myself. Uh, <laughs> I really Appreciate like the Cecily wrote, uh, did villain, I she did villain because I would take down the man, so I'd be seen as a villain, but truly an anti-hero at heart. Okay, uh, good. pretty good. Like uh, so <laughs> I can't read Christina's out loud because uh, I don't want her to <laughs> get sued. Um, ch- 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 let's see. Oh, uh, I like, I think this is Aaron, AK Overwell. Oh, no, this is, yeah, yeah, Aaron. Aaron writes, I'd like to say I'd be a hero, uh, and I think that is the way I'd present myself to the world, but I'd probably end up being one of those corrupt versions of a hero, like the Seven, Ozymandias, or Booster Gold. Mm. And Dan said I'd generally be a hero, but also that's probably- a, That's a really, uh, wide array of, of hero archetypes. Yeah, Booster from. Gold is the like- The Seven from the boys- Ozymandias from Watchmen and Booster <laughs> Gold, the the comedy time traveler from from series like Justice League International. Yeah, I, I, that I wondered would be if there's something about Booster up. Gold I didn't know. Um, well, he you know he's in it for all the wrong reasons. Right, I guess but... is the is the general thread there between that would be a good um you ever play Tribond? No, I don't know what that is. So it's like so Tribond's whole thing is it gives you three words and it's like a riddle and you have to say like what the the connection is or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. So I would love to see all three of those on a card and try to, you know, <laughs> non-comics people to be like, oh, heroes with, uh, you know, who are in it for the wrong reasons. Uh, and then Dan says, I generally be a hero, but would also probably use my powers in a way that would make my life easier and weren't always great for everyone else. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot here of like, I would be like Peter Parker, but just like a lot less relax and like I'd enjoy <laughs> yeah. life a little bit. You know? Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. So what about you, Dave? Hero or villain? I definitely I have too much guilt, I think, just ingrained in my being to be a villain. Uh, I think it would just uh, it would just eat away at me, and I could never rest easy if I tried to go the villainous route. So I think I would go pretty like passively heroic, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like okay. helping here and there, general area. I'm not gonna go too far out of my way, but I'll do a little bit. Yeah, I definitely like think I would want to be a villain. Until I started to try to do it, and I'm just way too anxious. Like I would, you know, I mean, I'd probably want to, you know, just steal from the the richest people who are worse villains than, than yeah. the villain I'd want to be. I could see like, but then I, I could would be see cause based heroism. Yeah, you know, like like activism heroism in the same way where you know you see a, a news story or whatever, and you're like, I want to donate to that cause. Um, I could see my heroism following that path. Yeah, so that was a pretty fun poll. People were arguing about this quite a bit. Uh, I liked I liked that one. Yeah. Um, and 1975s is very dumb. So look forward to that. Uh, you know, and- doesn't it, doesn't being a villain just seem like inherently more work? It seems actually no. much harder. Really? Well, I I don't know. None of them. It it doesn't seem like in the comics they don't just like steal a bunch of stuff and then retire, right? Like that never seemed because they it, keep going. Right. Exactly. You know, you like just who's the guy that? who's like I can teleport? Teleported into a bank, got some money, and then just stopped. Right, exactly. And then followed his passions the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess if you put it more in those terms. As of teleporting to like, into people's closets and watching them change. Sure. That, yeah. Yeah, right? That's your thing. Um, oh, that's creepy. Do you ever, uh, there's a really yeah, good book. <laughs> look behind you. Uh, do, you ever, yeah, do you ever read uh, or hear of The Visible Man by Chuck Klosterman? No, I know Chuck Klosterman, but... Yeah, yeah, he wrote a. It's a fiction novel because he does a lot of like pop culture writing type stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's pure fiction. It's called The Visible Man, and it's it's like a modern reinvention of The Invisible Man. Uh, it is quite good and quite unsettling. Uh, that connects connects to what you just said. So sure, yeah. Well, I mean, like the uh, Alan Moore did that with The Invisible Man and The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Like that guy just uses it in all the worst ways. Right? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. stinks. Uh, 
and, and he he gets gets it God, taken to him, doesn't it's he? Pretty, now? that scene is pretty wild. God, it's, it's I remember it. I'll tell you that. Um, now scene. everybody who our, our poll for the next year is going to be who just looked over their shoulder and uh, made sure there wasn't an invisible <laughs> man behind them because <laughs> I'm about to. Uh, okay, right. so. Let's get to some letters. Oh, I just want to mention, if you want to participate in our polls, get access to the master spreadsheet with the extra issues in it, or join our Slack, or get a hero or villain, go check out patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear. That's where all those benefits are found. And appreciate and, all and the, the other oh, the ahead. other bonus and uh, benefit we're considering here is if we get enough be- um, benefactors over on Patreon or patrons, we will be launching an Ultimate Universe companion mm-hmm. podcast where we do a reading club through the ultimate universe zach and i have not yet settled on whether we'll be calling it the obvious my ultimate year or some weird concoction of of um alliteration that you know we could possibly work up but the point being ultimate universe very cool very fun a good a much better modern read frankly than yes. this deep dive yes, into marvel's yes. history we're doing so if you're interested, that sounds like fun to you. Go on over, check out the Patreon. You yeah, we we have tiptoed right up to the line of hitting that goal, mm-hmm. and we're kind of we're just kind of hanging out there for a little bit. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm already kind of prepped. I wrote the spreadsheet for like the next four years of doing it. I'm kind of working on some theme music stuff. So like, we'll uh we'll be ready to go whenever we hit that goal. <laughs> Will we though? Because I have so many comics to read. Oh my goodness. Nah. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. All right. Uh, Any other announcements before we get to the questions here? I'm going to start with David. He writes, Greetings from Ireland. I've been chatting with you guys in the Slack channel for a while now, but this is my first time writing in. First off, I wanted to say that, as someone who jumped on the comics bandwagon three years ago with no idea where to start, the MMY Club and the Comic Book Herald reading orders have been a huge help from the beginning. Thank you, Dave and Zach, and keep up the good work. No problem, Dave. Uh, I've been You are welcome. Glad you're enjoying. Yeah, yeah. No, I did a ton. I mean, the work I've put into the MMY Club and the Comic Book Herald reading orders over the past Mm -hmm. three years. It's glad Mm -hmm. to get some recognition for that. You Uh, know, for a long time uh, in the initial stages of Comic Book Herald, I would reply with like, you know, we... I would use like an inclusive because <laughs> you wanted to make it sound stuff. like you were a big business. Yeah, yeah. I think I just inherently did it. Like I think I kind of do it in my job to give you know teammates credit and stuff like that. Um, but I realized how dumb that was with Comic Herald because it's you know it's literally just me for forever and ever. Um, but uh, but yeah, when I actually said that, I, I was including Zach, who before I knew him was contributing <laughs> in ways that could not be could not be. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm always correcting people about the list, mostly when they complain about it, and I you know shed any responsibility. Yeah, yeah. You're very quick to shift the blame. Yeah. Uh, when somebody doesn't like an issue on there. I mean, the champions, come on. Anyway. Yeah, so he's complaining about the champions on there in the in the Slack. Not complaining. They were just mentioning that it's no, goofy to have them on there in the Slack he's today. right to do it, yeah. Oh, totally. Exactly the way... If you're going to say something on the list is goofy, it was exactly the way I would want it presented, um, as opposed to, you know, insulting me and my family. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> the champions, let me defend them quick. There's no weirder team <clears throat> in the 70s, maybe in all of Marvel. Than the That's champions. true. It is they, a bizarre thing that happened, and we no, will take note of it. There's no reason for those people to have teamed up together. There's no none. No, I don't think it's which good, happens but. like plenty now. I guess there's a, like Marvel's really into like smorgasbord teams and stuff. Um, but the champions for '75 is is really bonkers. And obviously, we're gonna get to the issue when we do our our '75 Part One. You're gonna talk about it with our guest, right? Who yeah, I think yeah. we can announce on here again. Yeah, yeah. Is, uh, oh, yeah. Gary Gary Butterfield is that yeah. right? Yep, that's right. From uh, the from Duck the Feed. Duck Feed T 
TV network? Yep, that's correct. So, yeah, his shows, uh, probably the ones people would be interested in checking out. Uh, Watch Out for Fireballs, which is a video game book club podcast, very similar to what we're doing here in Structure. And Days of Future Cast, which is kind of watching all the old X-Men animated shows. And then when they finished that, I think they moved on to the Hulk animated series. And now they're on the X-Men Evolution series. So, awesome. uh, yeah, pretty fun. So uh, if you if you are very much like Dave, you're a fool for putting champions on the 75 reading list. Check out what Zach and Gary have to say because they might agree with you. And I'm not there to defend it. Yeah, yeah. Dave didn't actually have to subject himself to reading it. There's one really funny moment in that comic. Oh, I've never read. Worth. It. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I'm just... Yeah, there's one really funny moment in that comic that kind of makes it worth it. I think. But uh, back to David's letter. Now for the main thing I want to discuss from this year. First in the MCU and now in the comics, I'm continually surprised by how much I like Captain America. I'm not American and I tend to zone out when things get too nationalistic, but there's been refreshingly little of this so far. I fully expected the character to read like a walking public service announcement or Team America without the irony. Instead, Mm. the overall sense I get is that Steve Rogers is first and foremost a decent guy trying to do the right thing and a national symbol second. Cap represents an ideal for America to strive towards and he's often the most interesting when he's confronting the darker parts of American society rather than foreign invaders like the Red Skull. This has become particularly evident during the Steve Englehart run, where we've seen him confronting the shadows of McCarthyism embodied in his battle with the 50s version of himself, and now dealing with the post-Watergate angst and soul-searching. This represents a very interesting take on the character, and I'm looking forward to seeing how Cap is represented in future decades. Thank you, and keep up the good work, Dave. Thank you, Dave. That's a good letter. Very good. Uh, yeah, I off, do think... Um... Before we dive into this, I just want to say... Okay. I think this is... Uh, I mean... I know it's tough to write the list. I, when I razz you, I'm just kind of razzing you on the list. I genuinely think the probably biggest thing you ever left out of these lists is that little um, plot. I think it's Captain America 153 to 156, where he fights okay. an alternate version of himself. I think that is the, like, I, I put that in extra issues, and I usually say, like, worth The reading. one from the 50s? Yeah, and for that little story I wrote, must read. Like, I feel like that is as essential as anything else we've read. Um, Interesting. Where he fights, like, this older version of himself that kind of, like, embodies everything that the 40s and 50s version of Captain America, like, the the straight kind of, like, you know, nationalistic, very rah-rah America can do no wrong version of himself and, like, grapples yeah. with all the, you know, the baggage that's tied down to becoming a symbol for this country. Really interesting, really cool, wrapped up in continuity in all kinds of interesting ways. So if you're interested, go check that out because I think that one's great. 153 to 156. Yeah, I do think historically writers often find a pretty nice balance with Cap between towing the line between he is Captain America, he is clearly a symbol of the nation, um, but towing the line between having like a healthy degree of... I don't know, maybe skepticism towards people manipulating that right, towards yeah. towards ends that he would not agree with or that like sort of defy this very hard to pin down, you know, set of holistic American principles that are at the center of the character. Um, so I think, you know, this can get much deeper in terms of like which side of the politics does he fall on and this and that. But I think generally the writers try to they try to elevate him above that in the way that like really only a superhero can do. You know, because it is it is like you're elevating all sorts of concepts. You're elevating what it means to be a good person to, to a super heroic degree. He does that, but with like American principles. So I, I tend to find it pretty well done. Um, you know, it's like I think we talked in the 60s. There's an obvious like we don't want to get in trouble vibe. <laughs> to uh to some of the cap comics especially um but that's that's true across really the entire marvel universe at that point 
So, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I think I would agree with you. It's pretty well handled. I'm sure there are exceptions here and there. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think some are more successful than others. I mean, it's important that Captain America is not a representative for the government. He's a representative for America, but like not confusing that for politicians or laws or the military, right? Um, but then that those waters get kind of muddied because he does consider himself a soldier, right? But it's like he's not specifically a soldier for American armed forces. Yeah, I remember being pretty... I remember being pretty surprised in when I was reading Civil War for the first time in the 2007 event, um, and I won't I won't spoil anything about it here, other than to say like Cap is not just a a government um, mouthpiece or or just like taking orders, you know? Right. The way yeah. that like actually it's interesting. We'll talk about it when we do like Ultimate Universe verse 616, but 616 Cap is very free thinking and is going to go his own way if he thinks um, that's the true. American, you know, principle, or even if the government is telling him something else, that happens consistently, and we're going to read a bunch of those examples. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But I was surprised to see that because I, I didn't expect that, and I, I do like that aspect of Steve Rogers. I think, it, and it, like you even see it in the MCU, like MCU Steve Rogers does that in Civil War, obviously, um, to the point that Infinity War he shows up and he's, you know, grown a he's grown a rebellion beard. <laughs> what you call it? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. I think. Um... I mean, we're going to see that more or less successful over the years, but, like, I remember reading a comic in, a Captain America comic in the late 70s, early 80s, where he strongly defends a guy who uh, was a conscientious objector in Vietnam, Mm. Um, and someone calls him a coward, and Captain America, like, strikes back and is like, you know, that man's braver than you would ever know, like, for, you know, fighting for what he believed in, and, you know, that unjust war, etc., etc. So, there's definitely definitely a piece to that when you get into those types of issues, though, where, it is very much a mouthpiece for a writer um, yeah, who sure. is, you know, a 70s Marvel writer who is is saying some of his worldview. I mean, I think there are I think a lot of creators today would say they are writing more, you know, like with with the history of the character in mind, probably. And like, what is the voice of this character? What would they say as opposed to what do I want to communicate? Um, but there's always going to be some of that bleed over. And I, I feel like in. 60s 70s marvel you get maybe a little more direct connection between like here's probably what the writer thought and what's coming out through a character there's like all captain kinds america. of i mean captain america is a really interesting series in the 70s because he is like it's the most we're getting a lot of that um you know man out of time what do i do in this era like i don't fit here all i know is how to you know fight like a soldier but in a time with no like just wars you know what do i do how do i fit in you know there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening with that right now um yeah i think i mean the captain america series is every time i, I dip my toes into it in the 70s i really enjoy it so yeah i i like this character um quite a bit and uh yeah hail hydra <laughs> so. controversial way to end that okay let's go to the next letter uh which is from peter thank you peter for the letter and for your support of my marvelous year he says hey dave and zach i'm behind again i haven't even listened to 1974 part one yet partly due to the fact that i read the whole year in order month by month currently in september partly because i read a lot of extra comics is it worth being behind in order to go down an awesomely twisted rabbit hole with doctor strange so far i think so can i just say but since i have peter has been posting a ton of artwork from those doctor strange issues in the slack and oh it's so cool like i, I i'm I haven't had time, but I'm looking forward to dipping my toes into 
all that Doctor Strange. I think it's the Engelhart Doctor Strange from the 70s because it looks awesome. Yeah, I am super in favor of this approach for those who are interested in doing so. Like if you find characters or series that catch your eye, read as much of it as you want to. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, like yeah, here's sure. the thing. The club's going to be here waiting for you when you're done. You know what I mean? Um, I appreciate but everyone also who's trying to keep up with us. Because I will kick you out. Right. Zach will be furious with you, but I, I am like, that's great. Good job. Good dad, um, bad dad. Good <laughs> Classic good dad, bad dad scenario. Uh, let me just real quick get you some more milk. Okay. And... <laughs> <laughs> and let me drink that milk right in front of you. Oh, cruel. I hate, cruel I hate dad. drinking milk. I think it's weird for adults to drink milk. Okay, anyway. Wait, you're just dropping your hottest take ever in the middle of this podcast? <laughs> okay, it's weird for an adult to drink a glass of milk, okay? Like, it's weird for you to think it's weird. What are no, you talking about? Milk I mean, is like the second most common beverage behind water. That's not true. Like it's with not, a meal. Definitely. Confident. Absolutely. That's, that's weird. It's weird. Don't drink it with a meal. What are you like a, a baby or a teenage a boy? Baby. Like just finished track practice. Like, ugh. what? You don't drink milk after track. Yeah. Unless I you're mean, having like a protein I used to drink shake. a ton of milk when I was a teenager. It's just like, yeah, that's strange. why you were so it's tired. Weird. It's like you're an adult grow up. You'd run. You drink milk. You'd be like, coach, cow. I can't Gross. keep going. Ugh. I mean, use First it in off. baking. Eat cheese. Cream is good. I mean, drink cream. That's the adult. That's <laughs> That's the drink cream yeah, like cream. a man. I mean, milk is for children. Drinking straight cream is for men. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not drinking heavy, I forgot to cream, mention that part of my. You're my a little opinion. boy <laughs> or girl. Okay, all right, man. All right, this might have to be next year's poll. Um, definitely, I do a hundred percent want to hear your milk takes either via mymarvelousheroesgmail.com or the Slack. We, so we, please we already had let this argument know. earlier this week in the Slack, actually. I think you were on vacation. Oh, okay. It's missed, already coming from the NNY Slack? Yeah. Where, where did people fall? Is this like the time you... Some people you... agreed with me. Yeah. Some people... What? They've... You've brainwashed some of these slackers. <laughs> oh, it's slackers. disturbing. Good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, yes. Reading. Read what you want. You know, don't let Dave tell you what to do. Uh, let me tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. Don't drink mm-hmm. milk. And Peter continues, but since I have no idea what y'all have discussed on the episodes, here's a random question spawned by some extra issues reading. Thor number 227. Is Odin the most useless character in Marvel up to this point, who also still has entertainment value? Discuss. Thanks, as always, still to be with you, Peter, a.k.a. the Colossal Chick Man. Is Odin the most useless? He is very useless. You know how useless Odin is? I'm play. I've been playing for a, a stretch here, and I'm possible spoilers for Marvel Ultimate Alliance three, if mm-hmm. uh, if that's a thing for you. No. But I've been playing it kind of slowly over time, and I just got to a level pretty deep in the game where Odin comes and kind of saves the day. You're fighting Thanos's Black Order. You're trying to get the Infinity Stones. It's kind of an Infinity Gauntlet style story. Odin shows, and then he just bows out. <laughs> he shows up, helps. Clearly, would be an enormous benefit. To uh-huh. the alliance, yeah, yeah. and then he's like, literally, he's like, "I'm tired. I need to Odin sleep." That was a lot. Of work. <laughs> I love the Odin nap. Uh, he, it's very good. He is pretty useless. Like for being so powerful, and for the amount of change he could affect, he doesn't necessarily do a lot. Now the question is, is he the most useless? What do you well, think? I, I mean, the thing about Odin is that he is the antagonist in like half the stories he's involved with. Right, where he's a player, like he is the impediment to Thor very, very often. He's the one who's like setting restrictions on Thor, you know, banishing Thor, taking his powers to fifty percent, whatever. So uh I mean he he is the But like what is he doing? 
What is he doing? I mean, being fickle, right? Like he's just very, very fickle and he's very flighty. That's all we see of him though, but is he in like, he's like, I've been in Jotunheim for nine hours battling frost giants to keep this realm safe. Yeah, that all And now I got to yell at my son about um, his his medical malpractice. Like <laughs> this is not important in the scheme of protecting Asgard. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't really know what Odin's goals are other than he wants to keep Asgard safe, right? He's not looking to expand. They're not looking to conquer other realms at this point in time. It's real. They're really playing a lot of defense. So, so I think the question is, should he be more hawkish? Who's more, <laughs> who's more useless but is still entertaining them? I mean, right off the top of the dome, Batrock. Every time Batrock shows up, it's a ton of fun, but also he is completely... Yeah, but like Odin and Batrock are on... Like, Batrock's on a stilt man level. Um, although, please, actually, please, no, if we're talking disgusting. deities, I guess then actually Stiltman and Odin do compare... Uh, pretty closely batrock on the other hand not quite um the most useless but who has still entertainment value i see now i would almost rephrase this to be like the most useless powerful character sure because uh, odin could do enormous things the ancient one theoretically could do oh yeah the ancient things. one is basically like i don't know a football to protect right he's he's the f- he gets he totally he gets a built-in Excuse you know, that by way virtue you of being footballs. ancient. I don't know what that analogy is, but <laughs> you don't just walk around with a football. You have to, yeah. Protect? You know, when people want to like just steal your football and uh, kill it. Yeah. Here's the thing: if you come into Chicago on a Monday after a Bears game, Big Bears W, like we had this past weekend, and you are walking around the city, you will see everyone holding a football, and there will be all sorts of out of towners just trying to knock it out of stab their hands them. and yell "fumble." Just stab yeah. those footballs. Well, that. The more aggressive of them, but Packers fans probably, yeah. thirty Packers fans. Um. So anyway, I yeah, Odin's Odin's up there. Um. I mean, I'm trying to think of like, has Eternity <sighs> actually done anything? He's kind of like up all the co- yeah. I was thinking like all the big cosmic players. Eternity's pretty hands off generally. I feel like him <laughs> getting captured. Like, Eternity's pretty handsy. Like, <laughs> we we, we got to cancel that guy. <laughs> you know though, but like the Watcher does more than Eternity, and then some. yeah, right, which he shouldn't, but. Yeah. yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, so... Um, no, I stand I, by I Batrock. I where you're coming Bat from. Rock is, like, I think the closest... Is Odin entertaining? Comparison. Yeah, I think so. He's fun. Like, he always looks good. We got... Uh, I mean, he... He wears fun hats. He spawned sure. a million cool splash pages with big You hats. know, I was reading ahead, um, speaking of Odin's cool hats, my first thought was, well, he wears cool hats when Jack Kirby's drawing him, and then my second thought was, boy, oh, boy, are we in some for some fun hats when we get the return of the king. In 1976. Oh, can we talk about that for a second? Because I'm very nervous about it. Like About I, the Return of the King? Well, we're yeah. going to talk about it on the episode, so yeah. I don't want to spoil I, too I much, because I, I think I know exactly what you're going to say. Oh, just that it's going to seem very regressive? Yes. It's yeah. going to feel very dated, and I, I had that exact thought reading some of those comics. Ugh. So let, let's kind of table it, but I guess let's get into it a little since we're already talking about it. Jack Kirby, amazing creator. Here's one of the, the hardest things. If you define the Silver Age... And then you come in in the Bronze Age and your style's the same. It has to feel regressive because right. it still yeah. looks like you're doing the Silver Age. And I think Kirby has that all through the 70s. Um, I bet there are more sophisticated art analysts who could tell you like how he progressed. But to me, that's how it kind of looks. I mean, it's even not like just the art, right? I mean, it's, it's the storytelling that oh, totally hasn't the, evolved, the approach. probably. I, I haven't read it yet, so I'm not saying this for well, me. Well, like... when he did Fourth World for DC, like 72 in yeah. a little bit... Um, I know one of the big critiques was like, you know, it feels kind of old and outdated. And like he was still doing little like chapter kind of yeah. chunks. Like yeah, they I've did tried early reading 60s. that and it's, it's kind of rough to read. Like the fourth world. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've tried to like it, dive into that, and it's it's not a like smooth read. <laughs> I I like it in a lot of ways, but it's also like an acquired taste that I built too. Yeah, yeah, maybe. My um, wife always tells me that I I don't like beer, but I made myself think I like beer because yeah, I thought yeah, it was yeah. cool. Yep, right. That's how I feel about Kirby comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. Uh, I I mean I I. I've been trying to do that with sour beer for like a year and a half now. My wife really likes them. And every time she gets one, I force myself to have a drink because I hate them. And now I'm to the <laughs> point where I'm like, oh, this uh, doesn't disgust me. I'll, I'll order one. You know, like, yeah, it's like I don't like it. Um, yeah. The here, here's a question. Is there any like big groundbreaking artist like that who can maintain, you know, some kind of... Uh, who like adapted with the times kind of adapted thing? with the times and, and maintained relevance? Oh, Alan Moore, right? Well, Alan I, Moore writers, from the eighties to writers today. Writers, one hundred percent. I'm thinking like, actual like primarily artists, I guess. Although actually, I guess we're not because we're talking about Kirby writing these stories. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the Alan writing, Moore I, adapts I like, to just about anything. Graham yeah, Morrison. Alan Moore. But I mean, like Frank Miller, you know, amazing in the eighties. Had some good stuff in the nineties, and by the two thousands, has completely plummeted. Yeah, he he definitely. I suppose there are those who might argue he did. I would very much agree with you that he did not age well uh, much at all. Who I'm sure there are examples. Oh, you know I what? Just just uh, as an aside, think of. I was just I heard somebody talking about how Frank Miller has recently like kind of admitted uh, and showed some like remorse for the way that like he <laughs> I don't know post nine eleven Frank Miller. Right. Yeah, he, like, I, I've seen some interviews that seem to indicate that as well. Yeah, because I mean, he's doing D- DC work now that's surprisingly pretty normal. Um, well, he's he's coming back to the Dark Knight well a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think anyway, we got we, we got d- several new books to go before we can say Frank Miller has has turned the page. Yeah, but I mean, who who else? Like cause Cl- the thing is, uh, I'm always surprised when I see like, oh yeah, Claremont wrote stuff like up to the 2000s like he, he still yeah but i writes a title i don't think he adapted particularly well right actually, yeah exactly with his 2000s i work. mean that's the I thing mean, is I like you have these love him but these writers who do these incredible i mean starlin right he still does stuff he still does jim starlin thanos stuff though and i think a lot of people would say like the graphic novels he's releasing right now which i love are antiquated uh, yeah. They feel like Thanos stories that he might have done in the early 90s. What I, about uh, I 100% Walt, think Walt Simonson? Uh, I don't know what his Marvel work looks like, but he, well, he did that. Uh, I mean, Ragnarok's very yeah. good. He did I, he's just like always good, but he's still doing his thing. You know what? Ragnarok feels like a pretty fresh uh, like interpretation of the thing he's been doing. But Ragnarok reads very much like a modern comic. That that comic doesn't read, you know, like an '80s thing. So. Yeah, and I mean, he did Orion in the 2000s, um, or like very early 2000s. But I feel like that feels a lot like Thor, uh, in all the in all the right ways, you know. Hmm. Uh, but yeah. I don't think of him being like he defies he defies yeah, time I guess this or will whatever. Be something we see, like uh, Warren Nick- Ellis adapts with the times extremely well. Yeah, I don't I don't know the arc of his career quite as well. So. Well, he starts he does start in the 90s with some Marvel stuff. And and you although that that might just be a regular progression, honestly. I'm actually scrolling right now through my best comic book writers of all time list because I'm this is a really interesting question. I mean, I think Alan um, Moore is the guy, right? Like he put it, I mean, he's retired now supposedly, but like he was putting out stuff last year that was excellent, right? Like, I think he's the goat. I, yeah, I do. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. and I, I think that's a big reason why. Yeah. Um yeah, we don't we don't need to get like too dragged down on this. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the one of the challenges no, I, I think the point that you make though is like there's an interesting sort of like what is the cap on most creators' shelf lives? You know, almost like an athlete, like when a running back hits thirty, 
it's like okay he's not gonna he just can't be as fast but anymore why does and that for comic book with... creators it feels like it's about like 10 to 15 years why does and then they kind of phase book out writers and not like novelists and film directors right like martin scorsese has been making movies for you know almost 40 years or over 40 years still making great movies like novelists work their entire life and still put out consistently good work so why is it so tough for a comic book is it just because we're still like comics are still very much evolving and it's still kind of an infant medium i mean the rate of output could be a big part of it as well yeah Yeah, i think like you are churning these things out all the time like mark wade i think is an interesting example now where i mean his his run starts in like let's say the earlier parts of the 90s with the flash and he's had moments throughout the 2000s. Like 2011's Daredevil, he comes back hot, and it's like, oh, Wade's great again. He's writing this amazing Daredevil series. Um, but then everything since then has felt like he's like super out of touch. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and doesn't have his fastball anymore. So, yeah, I do think it's interesting. I, I don't know if it's just like because of the rate of output and the demand for change, uh, it's extremely hard to do, which makes all of this building to 1975 kickoff kickoff of all new all different x-men and the fact that chris claremont wrote the x-men for 16 years wild, it's amazing wild, yeah. amazing people people in the slack are already like preparing themselves for me uh they they already have it built up in their head that i like hate claremont <laughs> and like they're they're wincing what? in what preparation oh I, I mean i think i like i indicated that the two the first two comics he writes for x-men i think are kind of pretty so-so uh, mm-hmm. Which I don't think is controversial. I think literally anyone, the first two. Like, literally the like, first um, two. Uncanny right? ninety four, the count nefarious stuff, which we're going to read in seventy five part one. I don't think that's oh, going to be think that that's controversial. Super controversial. Yeah. And and you know what? Like Claremont also, I think gets built up in people's heads a little bit because like he's great, and I'm looking forward to reading a lot of Claremont. But he also has his issues, right? Like there are a bunch of Claremont isms that like will grate on people by the time we're done. So like I. I I like Claremont. I'm 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 happy to be reading this. Just to you know, but people's I, I think people are expecting a big brawl between the two of us. I don't think it's going to be quite that uh, quite that intense. Well, I am fully prepared to fight now that you've said these nasty things <laughs> about Chris Claremont. No, I mean I I mean Wolverine I love... sucks and he's the worst character in Marvel comics. But uh, besides that, Wolverine's not my favorite. I mean, no, I'm no, not... he's a bad character, and I've got a lot of opinions about that. Why well, he's probably the worst mutant, and why worst uh, mutant? Why That's a tough one. Eunice the Untouchable is number one. I like Eunice, so I can't argue with that. Uh, I, I no will idea. say I'm the just... worst is definitely Mastermind. I think he's my first Ooh, he's thought pretty, for worst. He's pretty good though. He's pretty interesting later on. Well, he's a creep though. Well, I know he's a creep, but he's like a good good character. I mean, which one's a my bad wor- my worst is usually creepiest. I think I equate those two. Oh, words. I mean, you know what the, the worst character in X Men is, and it's just like, God, how long do we have to deal with this guy, John Proudstar? I just like, I'm so sick of that guy. Yeah, I <laughs> bet. Boy, am I glad I'm not here for 1975 Part One. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, slander or libel, I can never yeah. remember, even though you explained it to me. <laughs> All right, let's get into uh, our my marvelous year heroes and villains. Uh, do you want to start with Tiny Vampire? Okie <laughs> Oh, I don't sure. know. Do you, do you have anything else about our, our rambling? No, no, no. We went in several too many directions. Wait, there. did we answer? Yes. Okay. I was like, I don't even remember what, what Peter asked. What was the question? Yeah, it was about Odin. <laughs> it was about Odin, yeah. Um, okay. And so. that's why Alan Moore is the greatest of all time, Peter. <laughs> you got it. Oh, man. I would read a Moore Thor. That's the thing. So I wrote this um, about like what creators would you be excited to see come to Marvel post-Hickman. And if they announced an Alan Moore Spider-Man, an Alan Moore Thor, like I know... The, he's a writer who people now would look back and he's had you reach a certain height you get all sorts of 
critiques, obviously, right? Yeah, like, sure. Much like you were saying with Claremont, like you can poke at this, that, and the other. I would drop everything for an Al Moore Marvel series. You know what I mean? Like, has I he would... done Marvel? Like, he, what's he, that? He doesn't do superhero stuff very often. He doesn't. So has he done technically? Marvel? Technically, like, I mean, like, vast majority of his superhero work is for DC. But he wrote a Captain Britain series for Marvel UK with the artist Alan Davis primarily, uh-huh. and it's pre it's like pre miracle man pre watchman pre all that so it's not like a perfect book or anything there's some good ideas and some interesting ideas and it doesn't quite come together but it's as far as i know the only marvel work he did except for like some star wars short stories and maybe doctor who might have been marvel uk as well yeah um, i but mean not a, not a also he didn't do much for dc right didn't he do uh like oh they got Batman? a whole i mean they they milk a whole thing like he did uh well, obviously Watchmen, but I mean, he did um, oh, I guess that's for the man who has everything, which is one of the most famous Superman stories of all time. He did. Uh, oh, what's the last days of Superman story called? Jeez, I'm blanking on it. Oh, um, oh shoot. This is bugging me. It's it's, uh, it's like a final Superman story right before Crisis on Infinite Earths. He did Swamp Thing. He did all sorts of DC stuff. You can even find uh, the DC what, Universe whatever happened to the man of tomorrow? and find his short stories. There it is. Whatever yeah. happened to the man of tomorrow. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, um, I, yeah, no, I, when I think of, of his superhero stuff. stuff, I think of, like, Watchmen, which I don't really consider DC, but I guess I'm not reading current DC. But then, like, Top Ten, Supreme... Like he does yeah. that stuff outside of, and that's you know kind of indie stuff. So yeah, it would be cool to see him in Marvel, but yeah, I don't think he's interested in that. He is too busy. Oh, for sure, no. With his ceremonial magics. Yeah, no. Best, uh, best magic to you. So all right, let's do an update for the My Marvelous Year Shared Universe. The first character we're going to update here is the Tiny Vampire. This is a villain that was created by Zach uh, some weeks ago, and I think you know he does have the nickname Vampuni which we have to credit (laughs) to Zach's wife, Rose, which I quite like. So I got to be honest, I don't remember a ton of details other than he's very, very small and he's a vampire. That's that's surprising to me, Dave. I am shocked. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it might be. I did want to talk a little bit today about, um, take a little different approach to the character wiki update here and tell you a little bit about Vampuni's home. So we talked about the fact that he is this tiny vampire out in the world. He is wreaking havoc, two tiny puncture marks at a time. And I even connected him to the origins of the Silver Cerebellum. As we remember, one of the first My Marvelous Year Shared Universe crossovers, he was involved in the Silver Cerebellum's town in terms of creating that hero, Mm -hmm. the monster hunter Silver Cerebellum. Now, where does the tiny vampire come from? This is a question that he himself is trying to figure out. No, so Vampuni's hopping I, from I already town wrote to town. An origin. Okay. What? All right. No, go on. Did I, you say where he came from? Yes. I. That was the whole. No. Please. Please continue. <laughs> no. 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 I. I want you to tell me. You. You. Okay. Let's. Let's define this. Literally, the place where he resides. Where are others like him, Zach? Did you answer that question? No. No. He got bit by a tiny mask that he stole from a like a pawn shop, like a. An antique shop. And yeah. That. So what he realizes now okay. hopping from town to town is that he's the only one of his kind. He's the only tiny vampire. But he knows from being like just from seeing vampire media, surely there must be others. He can't actually be the first vampire. Mm-hmm. So he goes on a little quest 
to find out more. He wants to learn about himself. Now, in the course of doing this, he talks to various monsters of the My Marvelous Year shared universe that we have not gone into depth on. But, of course, there's a lot of lore and, and writing. Werewolves are notoriously very good historians, so he reads some of their works and tries to figure out where do the tiny vampires come from. And over the course of this research, he finds one name, one word, keeps popping up and he, he really hones in on this word because it sounds like a place where he might find other tiny vampires. And that word is Transylvania, V-E-I-N. And there's a one God. mysterious vein out there in the world that is rumored to be the home of the tiny vampires. Wait, what do you mean one so he, vein? I mean one thick V-E-I-N no, vein. I got you. But like on a man's neck, like there's a man walking out with a vein? I, the, the records don't say uh, at this okay. point. All right. All right. Fair enough. He has to track it down. So he's scouring veins across America, <laughs> trying to find yeah. his brethren, trying to find his home and figure out a way back. He can't find a way back to his home, Transylvania. And that is the home and the journey of Vampuni. That he's searching for Transylvania? Yeah? You got it. Okay. <laughs> God, you really love your, like, and, uh, of course, we will flesh this out another day. <laughs> Stories. What are you talking about? I give you bite-sized morsels of updates. Oh, we got that, plenty of these more joke? to do. That was play. It was. <laughs> we got, we got, I don't want to be talking for 15 minutes about Transylvania. I, here's the thing. I haven't even done my vampire voice yet, Zach. Do you really want this to continue? No. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. Okay, so uh, moving you, on Zach. to moving oh, on. Oh, oh. <laughs> Stop! Uh, you really like just threw like completely threw me off the tracks. Okay, yeah, I thought. I moving might. on to the boy captain of the Nitwits. Ooh, are, are this is Christopher Anger, boy captain. Although Christopher Anger, that it's not actually his name. His name is Ed Edward, but everyone calls him Ed. Uh, and uh, and the boy captain, he has a brother. Uh, a identical twin brother and his parents were unconventional i guess to say the least and they thought when they realized that they were going to have identical twin boys they decided you know like people have twins and they start just dressing them alike and they yeah. do that kind of weird thing i feel like i don't know probably probably not good for a kid's development to always be wearing the same clothes <laughs> you know help them form their own identity they tried to take it one step further and they're going to say both kids are named Ed. So you've got two little oh. identical Eds, and they're going to raise them as kind of one complete being. And they think that, you know, this, this little No duo, Ed Jr. They're both Ed. Yeah, and, you know, they're just kind of like these weird parents who think that, like, they're going to grow up to, you know, be incredible at one job. Marry one best woman. You know, like, just just this kind of, like, insane idea that the, the two of them will be this, like, uh, symbiotic brotherhood. And, of course, that doesn't work and mm. it doesn't make any sense. So by the time they're, like, 10 years old, they've uh, emancipated themselves from these kind of abusive parents. And they've gone their own separate mm -hmm. ways. But one thing stuck out stuck out to the boys. One night, their father came into their bedroom and whispered in the boy captain's ear, I always thought you were the best, Ed. And... <laughs> <laughs> and uh i was yeah uh and so uh but the other ed he overheard this and so he decided that if the other ed's gonna be the best ed he's going to be the worst ed Ooh, get it it's a little new better little off ed 
It's a little knitting joke. Get it? Worsted worsted yarn? You are so sincerely (laughs) overestimating my knitting knowledge, and I love it. There's like probably four people who are going to listen to this and be like, hell yeah. This is for you four, specifically for Chris, because he's a big knitting guy. That's Um, the best kind of joke. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, they they split up, and then just, I mean, probably because they're raised the same exact way, they both become captains of their own... No kidding. <laughs> Excuse me. We've both become captains of their own ships. No, that's true. That's how they started. That's how they started. It was with their own shit. And they, they built up their Whoa. leadership skills. That was very exciting for me to hear you say a cuss. What? You said a cuss Oh, my word. goodness. I'm not, uh, a, I'm not a 75-year-old, you know, old maid. We talked about this. And you Only said in you spirit. Uh, anyway, so the, uh, the worst Ed, he becomes captain of the Nitty Gritty. And so we've got the Nitwits and the Nitty Gritty. And they're two rival Out, Is he also in space? Yeah, he's also in space. So you've got okay. worst, worst Ed and Best Ed, uh, and they are rival space captains, and uh, and they're always out to try to steal the best pearls. Get it? Because pearling is a knitting thing. This is so rife with good <laughs> knitting puns. Oh, man. Yeah, so, uh, so now he, he has a, story. His, his villain, his rival, is Worst Ed. Worst Ed. I that's, love it. That's okay. story. Yep. If you're interested in having a My Marvelous Year hero or villain created, or just participating and, and playing along, you can go over to patreon.com slash my marvelous Yeah, let me, let me read out our uh, our current heroes and villains, just as a thank you to everyone who's backing us, uh, the people we can't get mm-hmm. to updating every week. Uh, Dan, he's now, terrible have you have you yet removed anyone from this list, or do we just keep building it over time? No, I mean, if people aren't backing, I don't read their name each week. Each you, so you don't get read, but I, I think what I'd like to point out is they're still a part of the universe. Sure. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, so, like, once you get like, in, you're in. Yeah, 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 they're on They're on the list, but, uh, you know, it, the, <laughs> I would like to think that at some point the list would be way too big if we read everyone who ever just gave us $10 once. <laughs> so uh, this is our, our current backers. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, sure. Dan Heath, the Terrible Toffine, Stephen Taylor, the Naysayer, Peter Parson, the Colossal Chickman, Keith Bartley, Screenshot, Christina Cantabell, Lalo Lacrazzi, CJ Petrus, the Back of Generalator, Kurt Matzenbacher, the Reflector, Aaron Killingsworth, Overwhelm, Ben Grieving, The Laughing Knight, uh, the two that we just read, Christopher Enger and Johannes Cutter, and Kyle Garzon, The Blue Flamingo, uh, Jorg Eitner, The Son of Son of God, Eric Hodges, Silver Cerebellum, and Austin Hurling, Fever Baby. And uh, we also have Justin Wollenhopt, who uh, I'm waiting to hear back on what he wants for a hero or villain, but thank you for your support, Justin. Yeah, thanks, everybody. So that's going to do it for us and this variant cover episode. Again, if you're interested in finding more about the reading lists or how to support the show, um, check out the show notes for the list. You can find links to the Patreon there. And of course, if you have any questions, as always, just write to us at mymarvelthisyear at gmail.com and we'll help you get us started. You can find me, I'm Dave, really anywhere at Comic Book Herald or go over to comicbookherald.com. You can find Zach on social at My Marvelous Year, manning the ship for all the MMY social feeds. Uh, music for the show is by Disaster Peace. Next week's episode, 1975 Part 1, is a very exciting one. It's our first guest. I hope you will come back next Monday and check it out. Yeah, it, I, I think it was a great episode. Um, and I'm looking to, to have some more guests. We don't want to, I mean, I don't want to flood the show with guests, but I think it can be fun if we find people with... I would like to get to pers- the point where it's purely guests, where yeah. we can just outsource this thing and <laughs> we, we can keep talking, right? Like we can just have a, a nice conversation, but let's outsource this, baby. Oh, I thought you were saying, like, it's going to start up and it will just be like, the year is 1982. I'm Daniel Kibblesmith, and I'm... Yeah, great <laughs> I'm pick. Gene I ha. feel like he might do it. Friend of, uh, friend of the comic book Herald world. 
And the, and then you just hear them like, is this right? Shouldn't there be a normal host? Uh, no, I think it's just us. <laughs> Did neither of them show up? <laughs> yeah, no, then we, then we just pushed the entire hosting onto somebody else. Uh, if if yeah, you have suggestions totally. for people you think would be good fits for the show, uh, please shoot me an email because I'm always looking for people to invite. I've been sending out some invitations lately and no one is biting because I'm shooting it's way... It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. I'm inviting way above our weight class, but... Cry uh, if I want to. What are you doing? To. What is this song? It's because people aren't... <laughs> what? what is this song? Well, no, I know the song. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to? It was in Casper. Okay, well, that's not what I know it from, but why are you singing it? Everybody knows it from Casper. Why are you that singing it? That movie really creeped me out as a... What? Why are you singing it right now? Because you invited people and nobody responded. You're having a sad little party. Oh, okay. I got it. Okay. I'm sorry I yelled at you. Apology. To be accepted. Next episode. <laughs> Tune in again, everybody, and we'll see you next year. See you next year.